Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we will be talking with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is the award-winning author K.G. McGregor. Hi, K.G. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm uh, I'm like everyone else. I'm, uh, I'm not up to much of anything. I'm... Uh, housebound like everyone else and trying to not be part of the problem. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing how many people are still out running around. Uh, I'm I'm not out there to see them, so I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah, I went, uh, went for gas the other day and uh, uh, there were more people out than I thought. So I don't know, maybe they were all getting gasoline. Maybe they're all essential. That's what I'd like to think. Yeah, there you go. So... So, KG, let's just jump in and talk about writing in your books. How's that? That's fine. That's so much more pleasant than the COVID-19, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so how long have you been in this whole novel writing business? Well, the um, I came to writing fiction very late in life. Um, I started in about 2002, and... Um, and I started in the Xena fan fiction community. That's when I first began writing. And then some of my longer stories, I noticed that, you know, a lot of the other authors in the in the Xena fandom were were publishing some of their novel length um, stories. And they were all basically original characters, um, but the but the fandom related to them because of the um, the gift, really, that the that the TV writers gave us, which was this concept that our heroines, Zena and Gabrielle, would be together in all their future lives. Mm -hmm. And so many of the stories that we wrote were were examples of how they might meet in a future life. Nice. So so it wasn't uh, we didn't have to deal with copyright issues because we were using new characters with new names. Um, our descriptions were very similar to the actors that portrayed them. But, um, but for the most part, there was just this explosion of, of love stories that came out of the fandom all at the same time. And then some started being published. And so my first book was published in, I want to say, 2004 but it didn't stay on the shelves very long the uh, the publisher went defunct and um and i pulled back all my works that were that were out there um some were self-published and some were published by that publisher who's no longer in business and um and i published my first book with bella books in 2006 and we've done 26 books together. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, they're they're it's an awesome group. They're really um one of the things that I loved about about Bella Books was the first time I met Linda Hill, she said uh she's the publisher at Bella and she said that she didn't want to just publish books. She wanted to publish authors. She wanted a relationship with her authors and I liked that. I liked the way that sounded. It wasn't um it wasn't as if, oh, I want to make money off of what you do. It was, 
it was an investment. She was investing in me and I was investing in her. And, and we've just had a wonderful relationship for all these years. Oh, that's so nice. That's so great to hear. Um, you know, many authors kind of jump around, you know, from publishing house to publishing house. Um, and it's nice to talk to someone who's so happy with their house that they've been with them so, for so long. That's great. Well, I think everybody, everybody needs to, you know, it's not, um, it doesn't necessarily say anything bad about a writer or a publisher if there's not a good fit. And sometimes you just have to jump around until you find someone who can market your books to the right audience. Right. So, um, so I do see a lot of, um, I do see a lot of authors jumping around, but I think everybody's just trying to find the best fit for them. Yeah. Yep. And hopefully they do. Uh, so that's awesome. Um, do you have a new release out or a recent release? Well, I, I put out a book last October called The Lucky Ones. It, um, it wasn't exactly a sequel uh, to The House on Sandstone, but it was um, set in that same fictional community that The House on Sandstone was. And, and I wrote that. Um, that was one of my really early works. I wrote that back in 2003, I think. Um, but I revisited that community and I had a chance to look in on those, those, uh, older characters. That was fun Oh, that's nice. because now they've been together for 15 years and that's kind of fun to look at. Oh, that's great. Do you find that like when you're writing, uh, sequel like, uh, novels and, and that you tend to, is it, is it harder to talk about the characters because you, you want to. I imagine add more depth to them and they grow and they change. And um, is that more difficult than, than coming up with new characters? Well, it's um, sequels. Sequels are a different animal. They really are because if you're writing a pure sequel and your, and your characters are the center focus of, of the second book, then, um, then the big difference is that you've, you've engaged a romance audience and your next book is not, by definition, a romance because your characters have already met, they've already fallen in love, they've overcome their obstacles, and they've found the path to be together. So the next book is not a romance. All that stuff's been done. So it has a new, it might be romantic, but it doesn't follow the story arc. So it has to have another very strong arc to sustain it. And you run a risk of really not hitting your audience because the audience that bought the first book is a romance audience. Mm -hmm. Maybe they weren't interested in the plot that you, the story that you had to tell as a follow-up. I've really only done um, one series, and that was the Shaken series that um, started with the book Without Warning. And then I've written three books in that series. The last one was called Motherload, and that was in that came out in 2010. And now, ten years later, I am working on number five in that series. I I picked it up again. I've always said, people ask, "Are you ever going to write another one?" And I've always said, "I have no plans to, but if a story comes to mind, I promise I'll write it." And it did. So. That's what I'm doing now. Oh, that's awesome. I love that series. 
That's so great. Yeah, those those characters, those characters are the one. You know, they they stay with you over time. The people that that you've spent a lot of time fleshing out on the pages, and and they become almost like people. And and uh, and you do imagine, well, what are they doing now? And so it's it's really interesting to have this ten year gap because so much can happen in ten years. And so when you pick up the book ten years later and see wow, there's something really big that changed there. Look what happened in that time. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I, and when will that be out? Is that you're doing that uh, right now? Well, it's, I'm writing it right okay. now. So it's okay. not, it's not on the calendar. It's not, um, uh, okay. haven't even, I haven't even officially told my publisher about it. I mean, I think she knows I'm writing it, but. Uh, okay, you heard it we here don't, first, folks. Yeah, but, but we don't have a contract yet because if we have a contract, then we have a deadline. <laughs> and I don't want a deadline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so how long does it normally take you to write a complete novel? You know, that just really depends on the, the type of book it is and how it, um, how it comes to me, you know, what the inspiration is. If there's a if the inspiration is plot driven, I can usually write it much faster because um, it's a story that I, you know, I just can't wait to write the next chapter because I know what happens and I want to tell you what happens next. But if it's a character driven story, I tend to spend a lot more time going back and forth and thinking about um, character reactions and emotions and, and character growth. And that takes a lot more time. And then there are, and I'll swear to this, Karen Callmaker will, is, is uh, someone who has put this in, uh, in words so well. She's articulated this wall that writers hit when, they're, when they've started a book. You get to a point where, like, your first, your first fourth of the book just pours onto the page. You're so excited and you can't write it fast enough. And then your second half, you start to um, you start to bog down a little bit because you're you're um, trying to make sure all your threads are out there, and you're going to have to pull them all together later. And then your your third section of this of this tome is that's about the time that you start. God, this really sucks. No one's going <laughs> to read this. Uh, who in the world wants to read this book? This is stupid. I should just go back to the beginning and start over. And and I have to confess that in the last two or three years, I've started over so many times that I'm I, I've got half books lying all over this house. That surprises that, me. Well, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's it's. Um, I just, I just want to tell a certain story, and then when I start to get it out there, I realize it doesn't work, and I've laid all this groundwork, and and well, maybe the problem is not where I am right now; it's where I started, and so I, I, um, I save everything I do. So a lot of it, I'll I'll go back and work it in later. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's my Maybe it's my brain telling me that uh, I need to step back and get some fresh ideas or something. I just feel like the, you know, the first the first twenty books were very 
uh, well, let me say the first 15 books really just jumped out. And the, and then the next 10 were, um, were slogs. (laughs) (laughs) So it just took, it just took longer to get where you wanted to go. Yeah. 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 And, And do you, so if it's, I guess, regardless of whether it's plot driven or character driven, do you, um, do you do an outline and kind of use that as like a guide or do you just kind of wing it? And Well, sometimes I, um, I kind of do a basic outline, um, for the next few chapters. Like I might have the next five chapters outlined and loosely, not in a great, de- not a lot of great detail. But, um, but before I write a chapter, I will lay it out. I'll lay out everything that needs to go in that chapter and, and the emotions that I want to, to invest in my characters there and, um, and the plot points that have to happen then. And you have to also be cognizant of how this all fits in a big book. You don't want, you don't want, um, you want a hundred. You don't want a hundred pages where nothing big happens. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to make sure that you you're constantly hitting these. Oh my! Oh my! I have to turn the page. Um, yeah. So those all have to be in there as well. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, and and so many times that's you know that's when the that's when the bogging down starts. It's when you realize. I've been writing a long time and nothing big has happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my my editor is Catherine Forrest, and she has a she has a favorite saying that if this if this chapter fell out of the book, would anyone miss it? So, I want to make sure that all the chapters that I put in there are essential. That everything has to has to. Um, drive the book. Now that's not quite so true in um in a romance saga like the Shaken series because there are some scenes that are just they're just chances for the readers to revisit the characters and to see them together and um see them having fun, see them in their new life, see them uh see them growing. Um, but, but most of the time, every single scene needs to, needs to advance the story in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And I advance the character. And I can see where that kind of middle section of the book, um, you know, you might get a little, a little stagnant, little just going with the flow and yeah, the mushy middle. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So, so, um, KG, do you have um, like an ideal writing environment? Uh, you know, I know some pl- people will like they want to spend the day at Starbucks or, you know, um, Panera or something and um, or they have like a favorite room. Yeah, I'm not I don't want to be around anyone when I write. Um, so Starbucks wouldn't work for me. OK, um, although i you know, I've worked on airplanes. I've worked. Um, I've worked on trains. Um, I don't work in a car because I have to entertain Jenny when she's driving, okay. or she'll go to sleep. Um, <laughs> that wouldn't be good. <laughs> my 
when I work at home, I tend to work in my office, but I've been getting away from my desk more and more. My um, I have some some long-term chronic back problems, and uh, and sitting at my desk is really problematic. So I move around a lot with my laptop. I take it from one room to the other, and I stand, I sit, I lie down, I I uh, I keep moving. And what I um, what I used to do, and I don't do it anymore because we we moved away from the mountains of North Carolina. But when we lived in the mountains, I would take my digital recorder and go hiking. And I would, um, and this is where the outline would come in really handy because I would print it out, I would fold it up and put it in my pocket and I would dictate the entire chapter while I, while I walked. And, um, and then I could, yeah. And then I could come home and, and, you know, it's never, it's never polished, but it's on the page. Yeah. And it's so important just to get words on the page. And you can massage them later, but you can't do anything with them if they're not there. So was that so, for your first 15 novels you did that? Would you you know, I did that. Um, I, I've done that for the last 10 years. Um, so not the first few novels but um but the ones since then i've enjoyed walking but since we've moved to nashville we don't really have that that we don't have an easy access to a place like that to walk and uh, and i have to be alone i can't you know i can't walk with somebody and do this so yeah, yeah. um so i don't want to do it in the neighborhood and <laughs> and people think i'm talking to myself and it's yeah odd and there's that odd woman that lives on the corner there <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Um, you know, it makes sense that if that if that worked for you, though, and um, you're having some, you know, uh, dis-ease with the your last 10 novels, you know, maybe switching that up uh, impacted you in some way. Yeah, it was, um, it made for very productive time, I have to say. Yeah. It was, uh, Sounds I was, like it. Yeah, I was getting uh, you know a couple thousand words in a day, and so Jeez. you know you can write a you can write a book in a couple of months like that. Oh yeah, that's great. So, um, do you write full time now? Oh yes, I've re- I've been writing full time since um, since about two thousand four. Okay, so before that, you were a part-time novelist uh, and had another career. I'm assuming. No, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't. I didn't consider myself a novelist even after I first published my first couple of books. I, I didn't think of myself as a novelist. I didn't actually think of myself as a writer until the first time I filed my taxes and put that as my occupation. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and before then, I was um, I was in research. I I did research for for public television. Um, I did public opinion polls. I did market research, focus groups, and things like that. Um, but I I was traveling all the time. And when I say all the time, I mean. You know, at least twice a week, I was getting on a plane and going somewhere. We were living in uh, on the West Coast at the time, and most of my clients were on the East Coast. And 
that was that sort of um, induced me into this. I've got to find something to entertain myself on these long cross-country flights and in these hotels by myself. And so that's when I first started reading fan fiction. And then I started writing it. And it wasn't long before I thought, I would really like to do this instead of that. <laughs> so uh, so I made the transition. I didn't, I didn't do both. I didn't overlap very long. Okay. And um, is your fan fiction still online? Can that still yeah. be found? Yeah, it's all there. It's all, um, you can find it at the Academy of Bards website. Um, and I think there's still quite a bit of it at the Athenaeum website. Okay, awesome. I'll have to look for that. So, so tell me, how has writing then changed your life? Well, dramatically. Um I went from I went from the um, sort of the junior executive, the consultant, mm-hmm. um, the button-down power suits, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to you know working in sweatpants and kind of this bliss, <laughs> <laughs> this this bliss of not getting up in the morning and going anywhere except into my office. Um, that's been you know, it was, that was a big lifestyle change. But I think the biggest change for me personally is that uh, throughout my life, uh, my father was, he was in the Marines and, and we moved around a lot when I was a kid. And so I didn't really have any roots. I didn't have lifelong friends. I went to um, a high school where I was, I can remember feeling sort of left out that, you know, everyone would talk about, remember that time back in third grade when you did such and such? And mm-hmm. and I just didn't know people like that. The only, you know, I only knew people for a year or two. Yeah. And then even as an adult, I moved around a whole lot. I changed jobs a lot. I, I lived in several different states. I picked up and moved at least every three years. And so the result was that I didn't have deep friendships with people. I, and it's almost like I sort of had that in the back of my head, don't get too close to people because you're not going to be here that long. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that writing really changed my life is that I got to know people in the lesbian fiction community. And I met people years ago at at Xena conventions and then at, at bard cons and bard fests and, and GCLS. And I've met all these people in the book community that have become real friends. And these are people now that I can say, I've known you for 15 years. And that, and that means a lot to me. Yeah, that's nice. And so in this, um, in this, time when we're all sort of chained to our to our homes there's not really much that has changed for me I don't I don't have real people friends here in this town I don't you know maybe a handful but not close friends my close friends are people in the community yeah so in that sense uh, I just feel really grounded oh that's great that's so nice to hear what a what a great um, 
I guess, byproduct of, of well, working. It's all, um, when you think of the community, I mean, I think of people like you, people who put in time to make contributions to the community. And I think everyone likes to do that. Everyone likes to feel that they're important, that they're, uh, that they're helping, that they're, um, that, that they are an active member of a group. Mm -hmm. And as a writer, I greatly appreciate people who put together podcasts or, or even, um, interviews, um, mm-hmm. written interviews, you know, on their websites or whatever, yeah. or, or who stage events, because those are things, you know, the marketing all falls to us. And those are things that someone is doing for us. And mm-hmm. I couldn't appreciate it more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's fun to do. Well, I hope there are people out there that, that tune in regularly and, uh, and enjoy these. I mean, I think that's, I think it's really great that you have a, a following of people who turn in, who tune in and, and want to hear these authors talk. That's wonderful. Yeah, I know it is nice. And it's nice that so many of you authors are willing to do this and, and, um, you know, just, People don't get to interact. You know, your readers really don't have that opportunity all the time to interact with you. Um, so it's really nice. Well, I think it's, um, I think that Facebook has just been wonderful for this, for this community. And, and uh, yes. yeah, you're right. And I, I do want to try to be accessible on social media. Um, one of the things that's, that's happened is, I think this is great that um, I hear from a lot more voices on social media than than I used to. So I would get emails occasionally from people saying, oh, I just read your book. I liked it. Thanks a lot. And I would be able to, to engage with someone like that. But I didn't get a whole lot of those. It takes a lot of effort to sit down and write an email. Yeah. But... Posting on social media is it's instantaneous and it's ubiquitous and it's fun. Mm-hmm. So I love that uh, that people are so much more engaged. Yeah, it really it is nice, and I imagine that it has changed the the uh, LGBT um, writing community a great deal. Um, you know, uh, readers really probably do have more access to you uh, through social media um, and, um, you know, kind of let you know what they like and what they don't like even. Um, but, yeah, that's really nice. So, so, KG, who has had the biggest impact, um, would you say, on your writing? The biggest impact, well... My natural answer, and I think I've used it up already, is I would I would go back and say um, I would say the Xena fan fiction community. Oh, that's so they nice. they really uh, shaped the kind of stories that I wanted to write. They uh, they were such a nurturing community, such a a very positive, appreciative community, and so encouraging and supportive. And when we started 
cranking out books. They went out and bought them, even though they'd already read the story. They went out and bought the book to to support us. And, and having that kind of um, army of people underneath you when you start when you first start writing is you just can't overstate how important that is, mm-hmm. how important it was to me for sure. Oh, so nice. I would say that that had more effect on my writing than anything else. And then second, I'll give a second answer. Okay. Working with, working with Catherine Forrest has been a real gift. She has, she has challenged me in so many ways to write better books. And, um, She's also responsible for that, for that part at sixty thousand words when I stop and tell myself how much I suck <laughs> and how and how horrible this is because she's uh, she's not going to like this and and uh, she's going to tell me that nothing's happened and so I do uh, I do have her kind of sitting on my shoulder as I write. Yeah, she's a she, good motivator. Yeah, she said once. Um, she said once to me that I, I had told her when I sent in the book Photographs of Claudia, I didn't like it. I said, this book has so many problems, and I've spent so much time with it, and I just can't figure out what's wrong with it. It's just, it feels like the worst book I've ever written, and so... She wrote me back and said, you have such good instincts for a writer. This is the worst book you've ever written. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's so she, she worked with me, and she helped me pull that out, and it turned out to be one of my favorite books. I, oh. I, uh, and I owe her so much for that. But uh, That's so nice. But, yeah, I just I – just, She'll she'll also one of the other stories that I'll tell on her real quick is okay. that is that she when she edits my stuff she says I'm I'm not usually one to fill in a lot of visuals it's just not my style you know I'm I'm quick with the dialogue and the action but I don't paint much of a picture and so she's she prods me to to do that you know she's she's constantly telling me to add imagery or something and I and I wrote something about one of my characters looking out on the beautiful sunset and thinking about what she was going to do tomorrow or whatever and and Catherine wrote well lucky Natalie she gets to see the sunset and we don't <gasps> and that's because I didn't put it in there I didn't oh. write it in there <laughs> so I started filling I started filling my books with all of these superfluous details about imagery and you know what the what the material in the chair was made of when they you know what sound it made when they plopped into it and finally I got back a manuscript in <laughs> big letters who cares <laughs> Oh that's great That's awesome so, hey, you gave her what she wanted. That's right. That's right. And I adore Catherine. I really do. She's one of my dearest, dearest friends. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. She, um, boy, I remember reading her stuff a long time ago when I was just, just, just coming of age. 
Oh, yeah, we all did. It yeah. meant so much to us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. So so who are some of your favorite authors? Well, I like, um, I have to say, I, I, read, I read my friends. That's good. <laughs> uh, Susan Maher, I like Susan's. I like Susan's work. I like Karen Callmaker's work. I like Jerry Hill. I'm, um, gosh, let me just run down the list of, of Bella authors that I'm reading. E.J. Noyes, I don't know if you've read her or not. No. She's just outstanding. She's, she's a relatively new writer, and she's just putting out such great work. Uh, Tracy Richardson. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Goodness, I could go on. Jamie Clevenger, and I'm, and now I'm in trouble because I've started naming them, and I can't name them all, <laughs> and that's going to be really embarrassing. So um, you mentioned Jerry Hill, and she is another one who just cranks them out. Oh, Jerry's a machine. Yeah, and and what's and what's great about Jerry is that her work is good over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right. And she knows her audience. She knows who's reading her her stuff, and she is writing for them. And you can't do better than than to have that kind of relationship with your audience and to and to hit that mark every yeah. single time. No, you're and right. She really does. Um, the other thing I like to do is I like to sample new writers, people's debut books. I like to read debut books. Okay. Um, and every now and then I'll wander off and read some non-lesbian fiction, but I always come home. Yeah. Yep. There's no place like home. That's right. (laughs) So, um, KG, you already mentioned that you like to hear from your readers and listeners and our listeners, right? So how would they get a hold of you? You're, you're on different social medias? Like I'm on... I'm on Facebook. Uh, that's probably the um, the very best place to catch me. Uh, I have a I have a website, kgmcgregor.com. Uh, they can reach me through. I have a um, contact page there if they want to send a note, or they can comment on any of on any of my blogs. I I have a Twitter account, but I honestly don't use that for. I don't use that much for books. I'm I use that to follow certain um, usually political commentary. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's good for that. yeah. So that's and I don't I don't post anything on Instagram. I I basically have that to follow the onion. <laughs> I read the onion every day. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So, um, do you have any advice for? Um, budding authors well um i would say to write don't uh, don't be afraid to write just just write <laughs> just mm-hmm. keep doing keep putting words on the page keep doing it and and worry about editing later but get the get the story told and then go back and and fix it but get it told first and again, I would I would encourage anyone who um, who has a favorite TV show or a favorite character on TV or in in popular media to go look for fan fiction in that community 
and see if there is an opportunity to hone your skills writing fan fiction. Um, I think it's a, I mean, it's just such a wonderful way to get feedback on what you're doing. And it's very valuable. That's the feedback is probably the other thing I would, I would tell, um, new authors is that it's good to have lots of encouragement when you're writing, but you also need to have someone else who will give it to you right between the eyes. And that's someone who will tell you when your story's not moving, when your character, I don't believe your character would do that. I don't, that's, that's, you're asking me to believe too much. I think that's, that's too much of a coincidence. You need, you need somebody like that who will tell you that too, and someone who will um, who will help you shape your style. Hmm. Okay. Find so, your voice as it is. Yeah, well, that's great advice. Um, I know quite a few um, <clears throat> very popular authors started out doing fan fiction, um, so there, you know, there's definitely something to that. Um, well, I would I would also encourage anyone who's writing in the lesbian fiction community to become a part of GCLS, the Golden Crown Literary Society. If they're a new writer, they have a writing academy that uh, would put you through your paces and graduate you with ready to ready to write a book. So. I would definitely encourage people to be a part of that and to come to the conferences and meet other writers, meet other readers, become a part of the community and um, sit in on the workshops, listen to authors that you enjoy and respect and and hear their ideas for how they would um, approach writing characters or, or writing plots or editing or whatever so that's probably the best advice i could give someone and and right now um as far as we know the golden crown literary society conference is in july in albuquerque it's not been canceled yet so we'll see. yeah we'll see we'll see what happens i think there's probably a lot of fear yeah, and um, and I worry also that there were a lot of people who registered and paid their fees up front who now would like to have that money back because yeah. they need it. Yeah. Uh, so so I think that it if we if we are able to have a conference this year, I do expect it to be impacted. Yeah. But if we're not able to have one this year, it it won't matter in terms of how much we um, how much we missed each other. We miss each other from one year to the next. I know we'll just go crazy if we have to wait two years. Yeah. But but it will be it will be like we saw each other yesterday. Yeah, that's so nice. That's really nice. It's good to hear too. Well, KG, thank you so much for being with us. Well um, thank you. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and I look forward to looking up for, um, 
looking at your fan fiction. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, go check that out. There's uh. a lot of my, a lot of my books are. Um, there's an earlier version, a draft version of several of my books in my fan fiction. There are several, several of the novel length books, like um, three books out of the Shaken series. There's uh, Malicious Pursuit is there, The House on Sandstone. My book Just This Once is there, but it's called Getting It Right. There's one called The Road from Kilimanjaro that was published as a book called Worth Every Step. And then I have a lot of short stories that I used as jumping off points for writing novels. So I think there are probably, I don't know, 12, 14 stories there that are that are now published. So awesome. anyone who wants to sample my early work can go get it all there. All right, listeners, you heard it. Check yeah. it out. And I encourage it. Yes. And, and, and there are hundreds of thousands of stories out there. So get busy. Yes. <laughs> it's a good time to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks again. Uh, we've been talking with KG McGregor. Um, I'm Anita Kelly, and that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining Liz Talk About Books, baby. And until next time, may your journey be lighthearted and peace be plenty. And everyone, please be safe.